Welcome to episode 119 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and this episode features a conversation about record collecting with Tony Higby. He was my first solo interview ever. We first spoke back in March of 2020, and this time we really dive into record collecting, protecting vinyl, and even gifting records as well. So hear it from Tony, the master collector. Hopefully you enjoy this episode of A-Sides. Look, it's rock and roll! And... Cue music. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while because you were actually the first interview that I did like three years ago, like March of 2020. And then like yeah. everything had went crazy. But so, so I really appreciate it that you talked to me and you were like my first. Oh, dude, absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. So appreciate yeah. you asking. I've been waiting to catch up with you because I know everything's went on in the world and, uh, even like records that we're going to talk about on this episode, they've really blown up too, even more so. Yeah, I guess, it's got, or the it's, plants have been behind. Everything's been back and forth and super yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. I feel like we kind of dove into your record collecting just a little bit the first time we talked, but now I wanted to dive back into it kind of deeper. And it seems like, to me, you really wear your influences on your sleeve and you're always just posting about your massive records online and you're even like buying records for friends and stuff. Like, I don't know. You're like the saint of records. you know i just try to they bring me a lot of joy yeah so if i have a record already and i find another one that's something that i already have but i know it's going to possibly bring somebody else a lot of joy you know it's like well shit i gotta grab that you know like when am i gonna see that again i mean i've done that a few times over the years actually i've done that twice i've had three copies of the first badlands album and so i kept (laughs) the first one i gave the second one it's my buddy Mike Grimes, who uh, owns Grimes and who owns the Basement East. Oh, cool. And then, uh, you know, what's funny is I had actually, I'll take the back, that was the third one. And the second one I gave to a guy named Clint Richardson, who is a guitar player here locally, great dude. He had been going through a hard time. He had actually literally just been robbed at gunpoint, shot, and was recovering what? from that. And, uh, you know, I had you know, through a mutual friend, this buddy of ours, Ryan Warner, I knew that he was into records and he was really looking for that Badlands record. And I walked into Grimey's one day and they just bought him this collection. And, you know, I hate to say it, but like the guys who bought the collection and that were working that day were a little cork snippy with their music. Like they were too cool for 80s rock. Oh, and so they, they had, didn't really know what they were sitting on, kind of. I don't know if they knew what they were sitting on or if they just didn't bothered to price it accordingly and i walked in and bought this record for 20 bucks or whatever that was worth 80 at the time Damn. and i gave it to clint and i posted about it and mike grimes texted me and said holy shit 
I can't believe you found that Badlands, Badlands record. I've been looking for that. And I literally laughed and said, I found it in your shop for way too cheap. But Mike, <laughs> Mike Smart, Mike's, you know, we're, we're probably pretty close in age. He's a couple years older than me. And he recognizes that, you know, he kind of, he's got his name on the shop, but he stays out of there and let people, lets people run it who know what they're doing, you know, and who are a little more, I don't know, at least it's the impression I get, who are a little more, um, current on what's happening yeah. you know as far as music and stuff like that and uh i think 99 percent of the time it works in his favor to do that and just stay out and let that shop run itself and do, do great business you know but then one percent of the time like when they buy in a badlands record it, it's to their detriment but you know 99 percent of the time is what you'd rather go for yeah. you know um <laughs> but anyway so the next copy i found i found in a music shop in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they wanted 40 bucks for it or something, which is super fair. And I literally bought it and had them ship it directly to Mike. Yeah. So he got the copy of the record. He's just, you know, stuff like that, you know. If I see a copy of a, I have Voodoo Highway on vinyl, the second Batman's record, which is really hard to find. And I've only ever seen two ever and i bought them both um and the second one i bought I like i can't believe i bought another copy of this record but i'm like but someday somebody that i know is going to want this record and i'm going to be the guy who has it and i literally traded it along with cash to a buddy of mine like it's partial payment for a fractured mirror ibanez iceman like one of the nice custom yeah. shop you know, like what Paul has, it was a gold mirror. And I have a thing for gold and gold top guitars. So that actually wanted to be a partial payment for that, you know? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I did a, and then whenever, there's certain records is whenever I see them that aren't terribly expensive, I'll buy them and just plan on giving them to somebody to turn them on to it. Like uh, the Backyard Babies, Total 13. I'll stumble across that every once in a while. And I've had it since it came out, yeah. you know, but that's just such a great album. A sensational Alex Harvey band, the first record framed. First copy of that I ever got was given to me by Jeremy Asbrock, a longtime friend of mine who plays guitar for Ace Fraley now. He was turning me on to Alex Harvey. And so I probably found three or four copies of that record since then. And it's not an expensive record at all, but you don't see it very often. They're way bigger in the UK than they were ever were here. And I will buy it and just give it to, you know, somebody who I think will dig it. And nine times out of ten they do. Which, by the way, are you familiar with that band? I am only because of Jared, and I was just going to mention that. I talked to him, and he said that you guys had worked on some of those songs that you do during the Kiefer band stuff, just rehearsing for your sound check. Oh, yeah. We, we'll we'll jam on stuff. We'll, we'll pick songs yeah. just to jam on during sound check just for fun. Yeah, so we'll do Midnight Moses. Which, if you haven't heard that record, you no, should I listen haven't. to it. You would love okay. it. The first album is called Framed. I'm not overselling it, but I will say this. It's a great album, number one. But number two, you're going to listen to it and be like, oh my God, is that Bon Scott? Oh, damn. When he's, when he's singing. And what's crazy about it is that record predates the first ACDC record by like two or three years. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to jump on that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, but yeah, framed. That's the name of the album. Framed. The record. See, so, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm turning you on to it right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways, 
give them the gift of music if you can. You know, yeah. if you can if you can pay it forward to somebody and uh, you know turn them onto something cool. I always try to. What have been some recent ones that you've bought, like the last couple purchases? Anything uh, cool you've come across? You know, it's funny. I was looking at receipts the other day. Uh, last few things I've bought. Anything cool? Um, gosh, the thing is, I've been I've been collecting records now for so long that you know and prices have gotten a little crazy on some stuff too but i mean i've been collecting records for so long that most most of the stuff that i really like pined after i finally picked up at one point or another um you know so i find that a lot of what i'm buying right now is like a reissue of something that i love or maybe something that's getting pressed on vinyl for the first time that had never been on vinyl before. Like uh, they just pressed Saigon Kicks water album on vinyl and it sounds killer. And uh, I got that. I was super stoked to get that. My buddy Ace Von Johnson, speaking of giving records, just gave me, sent me a copy of the Wendy o. Williams record. Wow. From the eighties. Yeah. That Gene Simmons produced. Yeah. I just and saw I, your post you know, about that. Yeah, and I I never heard that record before. Now what's funny is there's two songs on that record that wind up on Kiss Records. Yeah, but uh, you know, Thief in the Night. I'm trying to remember what the other one was, but it was but, uh, it's know, my it, life or the yeah. uh, it was kind of like like the one that was left off. I think the album. Yeah, awesome. yeah, and th- those are both. I mean, those are both on that record before Kiss ever cut them. You know? Yeah, and then you know the song with Ace Frehley playing guitar on the song with Paul Stanley playing guitar or Car playing drums. Gene plays bass on the whole record. I mean, it's 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 a trip, but it's you know it was, it was fun to listen to. So, but yeah, that Psycho Kick record I really enjoy picking up. A while back, Sponge actually issued Wax Ecstatic on vinyl, a oh, limited cool. run, and that was that was always one of my favorite records from the '90s. Also, had never been pressed on vinyl. And one label that's really good, I think, that that does some pretty quality stuff, and they're they're good at putting out records that it's like either they're really rare and really hard to find on vinyl or they just never got put out and i watch their website whenever they issue new stuff you know i get an email every week is music on vinyl they've done some really cool issues lately they did the first three warrant records including dog eat dog I have an original copy of that album and that's like a $300 album all day long. But the, (laughs) you know, their, their pressing of it, the jacket of it is actually remarkably good quality and uh, their pressing sounds killer. You know, you pick it up for 35 bucks. Although they're the ones, but they almost kind of annoy me because they're little plastic little sleeves that they come in. They always seem to tear on the side. They always tear. It is the worst. You almost can't maneuver the record back into the jacket carefully enough because if one corner of that album catches the side of that jacket, it just tears it open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 200%. Like, they need to get it together with that. But, uh, you know, the fact that I give them a pass, though, because they reissued Life, Sex, and Death yeah. on vinyl. Like, who would have ever thought? I mean, <laughs> even Alex Kane. Alex is a good friend of mine, the guitar player for Life, Sex, and Death. And I remember pointing out to him that that was coming out. He was floored. He had no idea. <laughs> and then he reached out to him and they sent him a bunch of copies of the record just to have them. Oh, cool. 
Cool. So yeah, you know, but yeah, it's 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 a trip. You know, they 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 do some fun stuff like that. Rhino's doing some great work. I think Real Gone Music is who did the Saigon Kick stuff, and they do some really cool stuff too. They did that Cheap Trick live out to get you 77 from the whiskey that was oh, a okay. record store day thing and then they just released a four cd set that's all four shows from those two nights and a limited capacity and it's better than budokan like it's unbelievably good <laughs> so that's that, that's no small thing to say but yeah. i swear to god i i told tom peterson that and he agreed with me oh wow so Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but anyway sorry i've been babbling Oh, no, really? man. That's what the point of this is. Talk right. to me. Ask me stuff. Here's one. What are five albums that you think should be in everyone's collection? Oh. 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 Now, are we talking about, like, no-brainers or outliers? Um, I was either thinking, like, maybe, like, the reissue or the packaging. Like, there's something special with that. Or maybe it's just, like, the sound of it. Like, the remastering of it. I don't know. Whatever criteria okay. you want. Uh, just five All essential right. things. Five essential albums. I gotta give two of those slots to the two jellyfish records. Belly button and spilt milk are masterpiece power pop records to begin with. The reissues that On the Board did, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, sound incredible. They're worth a bunch of money now if you can find them. The original pressings are worth just as much or more. I mean, actually, I think the reissue of Belly Button on Omnivore sells for more than an original European pressing of Belly Button, if you can believe that. <laughs> I, I don't get it. And Spilt Milk, Spilt Milk, like the reissue, that's like a three or $400 record, if you can find it out. And I bought them new when they came out like 12, 13 years ago for 25 bucks a piece or something. But those two, I mean, just Spilt Milk might be the greatest headphone album ever recorded. It's just, you put on the headphones and listen to it. And everything that's happening, all the layers of stuff musically are just incredible. It's just not, like nothing I've ever heard. It's, you know, Queen, the Beatles, and the Beach Boys, and Super Tramp, you know, XTC all rolled into one amazing thing. The dream Those are two, or you could pick one. I don't know. They're both they're both pretty epic. I think the first Boston album, original reissue, whatever that album. Oh, right on. That's that's the first record I ever bought with my own money. Literally, I saved my quarters in a Skippy jar <laughs> when I was when I was four years old. This is hand to heart true story. Four years old, I saved my quarters in a Skippy jar, sweeping my grandma's patio every Sunday. She gave me a quarter every time I swept her patio. Until I had enough money that my dad took me to Musicland at the mall in Galesburg, Illinois, in 1978 to buy the first Boston album because he had it on eight track. And we used to listen to it in his car, in his old 442 with the Pioneer eight track player strapped at the bottom of the dash and the six by nines and the whole nine <laughs> yards. He would play that album on Sun. And by the time I was four years old, I knew every word of that record. I knew the whole album. So I made him take me to Musicland. I vividly remember sliding that Skippy jar up onto the counter, like, you know, because I was tiny. Yeah. And, and the girl who was probably in high school leaning over and seeming, oh my God, that might be the cutest thing I've ever seen.
and I slid that record up on the counter. And I still have that record, and it's in a frame hanging in my living room. Oh, awesome. Awesome story. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I would never dare try to play it. It's just trashed. I've yeah. played that thing to death. But obviously, I have, you know, another copy now. So, anyways, but yeah, Boston, hmm. Jellyfish Records. It's kind of funny you mentioned the Boston one and you have it in a frame because Brent and I, we talked about that record uh, before on a previous episode. And he said he's got his dad's copy framed on the wall. So Now, I have copies kind of, of some of my dad's records framed on the wall, too, but. I got my first Kiss record framed on the wall too, which was Destroyer. <laughs> I got that when I was seven for Easter. But yeah, <laughs> right, right. What are my go-to's? Cheap Trick, Live Out to Get You, 1977 at the Whiskey. It's better than Budokan. It's recorded better sonically. It's better. The band's on fire. If you can get your hands on that, that is like the absolute perfect snapshot of that band at the height of their powers while they were recording the In Color album. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy how good that record is. Was that a record store day one? It was. It yeah. was. It was a record store day one. And you can listen to it on streaming now. I've seen it on Spotify before. It's great. You know, it's definitely worth drinking in. Gosh, what's another one that we just wear out around here? The James Gang Rides Again. I mean, I think that's as good as anything Walsh ever did and better than most. You know, perfect power trio record. Trying to think of some other touchstone albums. You know what? Actually, I could. Alice Cooper's Love It to Death. That's I was hoping you'd say that. Your, because <laughs> uh, I would think in my five essential, I would have Billion Dollar Babies in there because I love the Alice Cooper band stuff. That's I guess all totally the Bob Evans production. So. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's a, that's a great record. Yeah, you know that that qualifies just as easily as Love It to Death. I think for me, Love It to Death is just an album that rings to me more just because it was what my dad played more when I was a child. It was the album that grabbed me from front to back. You know, yeah. So, I mean, the Battle of the White Fry is one of the creepiest songs ever recorded, <laughs> but it's it's just the hook is just so powerful in the way the song builds after the bridge and everything else. It's just it's amazing. It's amazing. It's like a it's like a perfect horror movie in a five minute song. Oh, Dan, that is a good way to put that. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of jellyfish, there was something I was going to ask you later, but I'm just going to skip to it right now. Right. I already knew from talking to you and seeing your post, you're a huge power pop guy. And Brent, yeah. he actually, for our next episode, he had wanted to do power pop. And I'm like, well, I'm not as knowledgeable on that. So maybe give me some time to do my homework. And so I looked yeah. up on Wikipedia and it said power pop bands were big star, the raspberries, and Badfinger and that era, so like post Beatles. But I kind of thought yeah. uh, that Power Pop was more Jellyfish in that era, and so I guess I was listening to the offspring of Power Pop. I guess, but so how would you no, define no, no, Power no. Pop? Listen, I think I think all the bands you just mentioned are early architects of Power Pop. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, those are all great bands. The Raspberries. I mean, go all the way. It's just what a tune. The first big star record is speaks for itself you know even though seemingly nobody had heard of that album until 15 years ago it's it's funny i can walk into like i could walk into grimy's right now mm -hmm. and big star is a band that literally only released three records yeah and the third one the third one was really not even a complete album if you if i walked into grimy's right now somehow they would have one or two acdc records and like 12 big star albums 
they've achieved that kind of status. Not to take away from those, that first record is incredible. The second record has some great stuff on it. But I think, you know, Power Pop kept going, it kept extending, it kept evolving, it kept yeah. growing. And then you had bands that came along that drew on those early Power Pop, pop influences. I mean, I would consider Cheap Trick a Power Pop band in a lot of ways. I mean, they were way into the move. And the move is just Jeff Lynn's precursor to ELO, and a lot of people consider ELO power pop. Yeah. But Cheap Trick, absolutely a power pop band. Jellyfish, absolutely a power pop band. XTC, another killer power pop band that, you know, maybe had their tentacles and punk, you know, on a couple of the early records and, you know, got a little even kind of weird and avant-garde later, but the essence of their sound was always power pop. Trust me, you weren't listening to the offspring of Power Pop, I promise. You know, that would, the okay. offspring, the offspring is the offspring of punk. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, and all and I'm gonna say that as in I'm not bashing the offspring because I literally yeah. the last the last record I shelled out money for last weekend was the reissue of Smash. Oh, so I know. there you go. Yeah. So that's the last record yeah. I bought. Isn't there another band that would fall in that? I think you like called Sloan. Love Sloan. Sloan is a great yeah. band. Great example. The Navy Blues album. If I was going to tell anybody to start with Sloan, where they should start at, because there's a lot. They've done a lot of records. They're one of those Canadian bands that's kind of flown under the radar for a lot of people. But I would absolutely start with Navy Blues and then maybe listen to One Chord or another, or One Chord to another, another album that doesn't get it to do in their catalog that is maybe my second favorite. Between that or One Chord, um, it's called Action Packed, and Action Packed is killer. But it sounds like Sloan was listening to a bunch of, uh, it sounds like Sloan listened to Rick Springfield's Working Class Dog 20 times and then made an album. Oh. <laughs> like it, it's great, but it's got that early 80s kind of Rick Springfield meets the outfield kind of rock yeah. thing happening. Is Rick Springfield kind of like Power Pop too, or how does he fit in there? Man, he was, he was more just rock. But I mean, you know, he was he was rock for the time, you know, he was early eighties. I mean, I think Rick Springfield, you know, as far as a similar production style, think Brian Adams, yeah. you know, think, think some of that early to mid eighties active rock for radio at that time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, now we think of active rock and we're talking about hailstorm and shinedown and stuff like that. But in the, in the early eighties, it was Rick Springfield and Brian Adams and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff, all great records, Huey Lewis, we mentioned so, record store day kind of briefly with the cheap trick. Like, is that something you get into at least when you're not on the road? I try to participate in that every year. I feel like there's been so many things put out that it does get a little diluted. You know, it's gotten a little more diluted over time and it's hard, you know, to find something that's coming out that I don't already have yeah. in some other form. But I feel like most years there is at least one or two things you know, every time there's a record store, there's at least one or two things that I'm going to be into, you know, um, like I think this next coming record store day, they're, re they're releasing uh, Van Halen's re live right here, right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. On yeah, it's on the list. Yeah, it's on the list. And it's actually going to have a couple of tracks that weren't on the original CD. So oh, neat. And it kind of marks the beginning of all the Hagar stuff getting remastered and reissued. Oh, yeah. Right on. yeah super cool yeah and there's something else on that list too that's coming out i'm trying to know what the hell it is oh uh soul asylum unplugged so yeah they're unplugged mtv unplugged yeah. is coming out on vinyl which i'd love to hear so oh neat that kind of that kind of escaped me because on my list was the mr big the first one but it seems like which that's I, a case of like 
I think it's Record Store Day first, so it's going to get reissued later, anyways. It's not just yeah. exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's great that they're putting it out. I have I have the first album, like an original copy of it, oh, and damn. it's it's really good. But I have an RSD release of Lean Into It. Yeah. So you know, I'd love to have an original release of Lean Into It, but. I've only ever seen a couple copies out in the wild and they were a little thrashed and whoever had them just wanted way too much money for them. And I just was like, yeah, I, I like that record, but I don't like that record for $200 or whatever. Damn. You know? What is I the think, most expensive record you have? I don't know. I feel like I got a lot of stuff that's worth three, four, 500 bucks, but I didn't pay that much for it. You know, um, like I've got, I've got a couple of original copies of the first Wild Hearts album, the Birth Verses. Yeah. And that's that's a few hundred bucks to the right person. Those jellyfish records, they're reissues, like I said. You know, I mean, belly buttons over two hundred, spilt milk would go for three to four hundred. Shit. Um I, I posted <laughs> yesterday I posted yesterday about that. It's weird how that stuff works sometimes. I posted yesterday about that Ultra Bridge album. Yeah, yeah. You know, I bought that new when it came out, so I love the record. You know, I just every once in a while, you know, I keep all that stuff in discogs and it gives you an idea what that stuff's worth. And I open it up. I'll just look, you know, just like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if this is worth anything. And I just happen to tap on that record. It's I'm like the cheapest copy for sale in the States right now is like $400. Oh, man. It's ridiculous, you know. I mean, it's like, what are you willing to pay for stuff? I mean, that second Badlands record's really hard to find. I haven't looked it up in ages. I've got an original pressing of Saigon Kicks the Lizard. And I found that in the wild. And at the time I bought that, it was the most I'd ever spent on a record. That was such a huge record for me when I was a teenager that I was like, I saw it and I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I knew I was going to buy that record as soon as I saw it. And the guy, the guy cut me a deal. He, you know, he has a great shop. He's mad. He's got a spot, a spot uh, called Spinners that's uh, about 40 minutes outside of Nashville in Columbia, Tennessee. And he's always got cool stuff like that. It was the first time I'd ever went to shop and he was super nice. And uh, he had some great stuff. And I'd scanned his entire wall of all the shit that he had way up high all around his shop. And then literally got to the very last record and it was that fucking Saigon Kick record. <laughs> and I, I just saw it and I verbally out loud just went, oh shit. That's exactly how I said it. <laughs> he heard me and he goes, what? I said, can I see that Saigon Kick record? And he pulled it down. It didn't look like it ever even been breathed on. And <laughs> I just didn't even know it existed. I knew it existed, but I'd literally only ever seen like a photo of one or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, a lot of times you don't buy records because, I mean, I don't, I don't buy records because they're worth a ton of money as much as yeah. I, I don't want to spend, a, I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a record if I'm not going to listen to it. You know, I, I don't want to collect just to collect in theory. I want to buy stuff because I'm going to listen to it. Now I will say when I, 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 when I started collecting records, my whole thing was I hauled around a stack of records from the time I was a kid through college and everywhere else. When I moved to Atlanta and then when I subsequently moved to Nashville, and for years, I didn't even have a turntable, but there were records that I'd had since I was a kid. And, you know, and then I accumulated and collected. And then once I got another turntable, I really got back into listening to them. And then in my mind at the time, I was like, well, I'm only going to buy records that are like great albums front to back that I'm going to listen to all the time. And then you just go down this rabbit hole of, well, I only need these three Zeppelin records to to have all of them. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're buying... <laughs> All of a sudden, you're buying a copy of it through the outdoor, and you listen to it once, and you don't look at it again for three years. Because let's yeah. be honest, nobody listens to it through the outdoor. <laughs> it's the fact, you know. <laughs> like I have, I have all the Sabbath records, all the Aussie Sabbath records, 
but I know that I haven't listened to Never Say Die more than once or twice in the last year. You know, there's only so much time in the day, especially if you're busy and you're working and stuff like that. But it definitely, it, it turns into a slippery slope where then all of a sudden you have well over a thousand albums and you're like, shit, you know, like, do I need? And then I'm like, well, but I don't want to get rid of this. And I love this. Well, sometime I'm going to listen to this, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a whole thing. I you was going to ask is, if what? you did the whole Discog thing and like tracked it or put your collection on there. I do. Yeah. And I got to be honest, I'm glad I did, especially I'm glad I started using it before I had this many records. Cause there are times where I have to look to make sure I haven't already bought something. <laughs> and there are times where I have bought, bought the same record more than once. I bought freeze fire and water two or three times. I bought the first foreigner album twice. I bought, uh, there's every once in a while, it's like, ah, I can't believe I did this, you know, but (laughs) that's also speaks to buying a record and not listening to it enough after you bought it to remember that you bought it. Or, you know, you like me going tour and you hit a couple killer record shops on a run of shows and you come home with 20 new records to add to the collection and you go through and you listen to them, but you're trying to listen to all of them. So maybe you listen to them once and then you file them away. And then you, for, that's what gets you in trouble. That's when you forget you bought yeah. the record and then you buy it again. Um, it's like so the I'm really glad- of collecting, I guess, first world well, problems or something. Dude, <laughs> Dutch first world problems. Those are the first world problems of the highest degree. Definitely done that on more than three occasions. Uh, <laughs> But the Discogs thing, it does help me kind of keep track of what I've got. It does give you an idea of what's worth. I mean, I have no ambitions to sell off my record collection or even a part of it. But it's nice to know what you have there. Because you never know, man. I mean, someday, someday I might someday I might need some money and I might have to sell some records. I mean, I certainly went through that at one point earlier in my life. I had cancer and I sold almost every guitar I owned. You know, oh, and thank God I had them. We didn't lose our house. You know, I was married at the time and, you know, it's just stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just stuff and you can always get more stuff. Yeah. You know, you got to be around, you got to be around first before <laughs> you can get the stuff. I know what you mean with the collecting stuff. And because um, uh, at least it was CDs, I used to have a shelf and I'm like, I'm only going to have as many CDs as fit this shelf. But then you get more because <laughs> stuff comes out. Well, now I got to buy a bigger shelf and then you got to keep buying a bigger shelf. Oh, so, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. You always have excuses to keep getting stuff. I always guess. have excuses. You always have excuses. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, oh, I, so oh, they reissued this or, oh, I've got an original copy of this, but I'll yeah. get one of the reissues so that I don't put any more wear on my original copy because it's worth so much money. And yeah, yeah. It, it never, it never ends. It never ends. Yeah. <laughs> Here was something I set aside because at first too, I was only going to do something where I'm only going to buy things that I, I haven't bought before because if I had it on CD then why do I need it on vinyl but then I started buying stuff anyways you know those excuses but then I was oh, like yeah. well maybe if I come across things that I didn't know existed and then I recently I don't know if you can see this but I recently got this it was like California Jam huh. and I had never, never even heard of this before but it was so cool I'm like I had to get this nice yeah I've never seen that oh man so I stumped you hey almost like stumped dude i dude, I, I see stuff all the time that i'm like whoa what is this wait where did that come from i didn't know about that you know yeah because i guess it was some california jam show and it has aerosmith on there and heart even frank marino oh yeah there's 
footage. I mean, is it live? I assume. Yeah. Yeah. California Jam was a big outdoor festival. They did multiple Cal, Cal Jam shows, and I've seen their massive crowds are like over hundred thousand people. I've seen video footage of like Sabbath playing there and Deep Purple and Ted Nugent. Oh damn! And you you can go, you can go on YouTube and just look up Cal Jam or California Jam, and you'll you'll see stuff that's probably on that record. Um, yeah, I think Dave Grohl, didn't he bring that back recently for some shows, I think? I don't know if he did or not, but I hadn't heard about that. But I mean, Dave Grohl, he's the, the rock and roll ambassador. If anybody's going to bring something like that back, it's going to be that dude. Yeah. There's another couple things that I've got that are actually kind of oddly rare. I've got the, the Record Store Day thing they did called the DGs. Oh, yeah. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah. I got I got that. I It's fun. I listened to it once put it away i looked the other day it's worth a couple hundred plus now like oh damn all right and then i've got another one that was a record store day thing oh the medium medium rare, medium rare. Yeah. yeah oh you so have that i have that oh man so but that was that was a discogs purchase i heard about it after it come out i probably bought it a year or two later from somebody who had it over in europe damn. so that was a bad discogs experience only because the guy did a horrific job packing it, and the record's fine, but the cover got all fucked up. He gave me a partial refund for it, but that cover looks like it got trampled by a gorilla. <laughs> Either because, like, the shipping process, or it was just like that to begin with? Well, mm-hmm. well, no, because he just did a terrible job of packing it, and then it had to survive international shipping, and just all the corners of the covers got trashed. Cover got trashed. Oh, just, damn. You know, yeah, not good at all. There's a term that you used earlier that I really like. You said you found stuff in the wild. Sounds like you're really on the hunt for it. Well, it's fun, you know. I mean, listen, yeah. every once in a while there's those records that you want to get, you know, that you, you've you looked for and looked for and looked for and looked for, and, and then maybe you eventually just give up and you go to a resource like Discogs and you find a copy for sale because you're just like, I want to buy this. for Because either A, I'm really dying to listen to it and I want to have it on vinyl, or B, you're starting to see the prices sneak up on it and you want to make sure you can get your hands on a copy while it's still attainable. When I say out in the wild, it's really fun, though, when you see something that you've been looking for. Maybe it's even something you haven't been looking for that you hadn't considered. Yeah. Or it's like something that's like some rare version of an album. And you're like, oh, my God, I didn't, never thought about that. But you find it while you're out record shopping. And when I'm on the road from the time I you know, wake up until sound check, I mean, the only thing there is to do generally is drink coffee and eat breakfast and then be bored until three 30 in the afternoon, or you can go find something to do. So one of two things is usually going to happen with me, me and our drummer, Jared are going to go play golf somewhere, which love to do keep golf clubs under the bus whenever we're on the road, or I'm going to go record shopping and uh, love to go with uh, my guitar tech, Rob. So depending on what's, what's in the area, and, you know, if it's him and me, we'll usually go right after sound check for a few hours or something. You know, but I, I, that's how I've wound up finding so much cool stuff on the road. And it's always fun when you find these things and you remember where you got them at. You know, like I can tell you, I found my copy of uh, Bad Fingers Straight Up at a record store in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. at, and then yeah. at another record store in Columbus, Ohio, I found a mint copy of Ozzy Osbourne's tribute album and a mint copy of original pressing of the stones, let it bleed with the poster mm. still inside, you know, oh, shit. stuff like that. And, you know, and got great prices on them. Or I can tell you that I found a copy of the kinks Lola 
at um in at an old a store that used to be a co-op tapes and records up in Dubuque for eight dollars and they didn't know what they had because it was a hundred and twenty dollar album and I couldn't fucking believe it. So <laughs> and it was just in the bin. They had like a million records and my throat was sore from the smell of incense from being in the store fishing through their bins for 45 <laughs> minutes. And and I, I looked, I'm like, oh my God, they've got a copy of Lola, which had been out of print forever. And I looked at it and it was immaculate. And I'm like over in the corner, like with the phone, like typing the number into Discogs to make sure it's actually real and it's the right thing. And it's not some fucked up bootleg or something. And no, it's like an immaculate reprise or reprise, you know, pressing. Yeah. And, you know, I did. I bought it for eight dollars, and you couldn't find a thrashed copy of that record for less than fifty or sixty bucks at that time. Finding them, finding them when you're out looking. Because I every once in a while I'll succumb to just buying something online, but finding stuff when you're out looking, not for anything in particular, that's yeah. that's a lot of fun. You know, it's like the thrill of the hunt. Exactly. Guess, exactly. Yeah. Or at yeah. least for me, because it seems like it is too easy. Like I was like trying to stay away from discogs and stuff because it's too easy to just go on your phone and like you know buy it and buy it. Like I'd rather try to like track it down. You know, if you just go out and you shop enough, if you just go out and you check out other stores or as many stores when you get an opportunity, you're going to find stuff that you're looking for when you don't expect it. You yeah. know what I mean? Actually, that same shop I was telling you about down in Columbia, I walked into a shop one day, he just bought a collection of records. He's like, yeah, have a look. And they're all piled up. He hadn't even priced them yet. And he had a copy of, of the Kiss, the Originals 2. Oh, wow which I had only ever seen photos of. It was like yeah. a Japan-only release of the fourth, fifth, and sixth record. And I just was like, I'll be taking that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, you just never know. Here's a little collector question I have for you. Right. So say if you're buying a record and it's new, do you like take your finger and slide down the side and slide it out and save the shrink wrap on the record? Or do you like peel off the shrink wrap and throw it away? I save the shrink wrap unless it's a gatefold. Yeah. But I always keep everything in a clear plastic sleeve. Yeah. Even worse than that or better is I buy the mobile fidelity sleeves for the inside for the record itself to protect oh, okay. them. Whatever. I get something that's just a, a paper sleeve or whatever. I always make sure to put it in that. You know, just are those sleeves the you're itself. talking about the ones that are the plastic inner ones, not the paper? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you can buy like 50 packs of them. And like one side of them's got like a little bit of a, almost like a foam padding to it. Huh. And the other side's just clear plastic, but it's, you know, scratch resistant and stuff okay. like that. And so I always keep, because I've got a lot of records that don't have them on them that I've bought over the years. So I always keep extras. And so whenever I play something, if it hasn't had them on already, I'll, I'll put it in there. Here's was something that I was doing, and I don't know if Denny was just fucking with me or not, because you know what Denny is. Yeah, I would fucking with you, but go ahead. <laughs> I would buy records, <laughs> and I would do that. I would uh, put my finger down there, really carefully peel away the cellophane on the side, and slide the records out. Well, then, I think I had something that was warped, or maybe I bought one that was still in the shrink wrap, you know, from like 85, and it was a little warped. And I texted Denny about that, and he goes, yeah, some dink must have left the shrink wrap on, and it warped it. He's like, you should just take all those off. So then that night I did. I was sitting there, and I took the shrink wrap off every single thing, but I cut out each little hype sticker and and slid it in there and saved it. And then I think he was just laughing at me, but I thought he was like, I don't know, he works in a record I, store, so he should know. I've never had a problem with cellophane 
seemingly warping the record if I've already opened it. Yeah. But I have seen old records that people buy that are still sealed and the cellophane, it's a shrink wrap. And so it puts this really minuscule amount of pressure on the record when it's still sealed over a long period of time. Yeah. And then when you, and then when you crack the record open at that point, put it on the turntable, a lot of times it's warped. I've got a copy that plays fine of Elvis Costello's spike, mm-hmm. but sometimes I look at it in amazement that the needle is not flying off the record when it's on the turntable because it's just like, <laughs> fucking nuts. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It looks like it's, it looks, it looks like it's wakeboarding over there. It's just <laughs> completely fucked. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that can be a thing. I don't know once you've broken that seal, if it's an issue, I've never had a problem with them once I broke in the seal. Yeah, I never but I have even, seen where I, I but but I've seen where guys cut off the hype stickers and slide them into the jackets. I bought records that were like that. I've got a copy of the Ultimate Sin that somebody did that with. Yeah, so that's me now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm guilty. All good. All good. I never really kind of did that either until Bob Long. He had given me. He actually gifted me a little record. It was like a little single, and I was just gonna rip off the shrink wrap, and he's like, "Save that sticker." But I guess Bob saves everything too. <laughs> Yeah, Bob's a bit of a order, and I mean that in the most loving way because I can say that, but Bob's probably got some insane collectible shit, you know, around that nobody else would have ever have thought to have saved. And Bob's like, oh, yeah, man, here's a Kiss Melt Buckle that they only made six of, and it's worth $4,000, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's got, got, got to love that. I don't know if you've ever been inside his house because I don't know if you've been back in. Uh, I in, have not. I yeah. I have never been inside Bob Long's house. I can only imagine. Okay. He invited me into this room in his house. It's like a kiss room, but it's got all these collectibles in there. And he's got yeah. those, you know, the big popcorn tins that you get at the holidays. And he's got that full of like guitar picks and passes and stuff. So, yeah, he's just pulling stuff out of there that, like you said, you know, who would have this? But he does. Yeah. In a tin. Yeah, right. Right, of course, Bob does. Well, have you? Do you follow John Five's Instagram page about his Kiss collectibles? Um, I follow him, but I don't know if I follow. He uh, no, he has he has an Instagram page completely dedicated to his Kiss collection, and it's I think the page is literally called Knights of Satan Service. Oh, wow. and every single day he posts something else from his collection, and he's never repeated himself. And I think it's going on like four years. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, and now he's out touring with Motley, and all of a sudden he'll be like, killer finds in Santiago, Chile, and he'll have like, you know, six different Chilean pressings of Dynasty that he just bought that day. <laughs> and you're like, all that, where, like, you're going to have to erect another wing on your fucking house just to store all this yeah. shit. Where are you putting these things? It's crazy, <laughs> you know, but it's it's pretty amazing to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to track that down then and look that yes. up. Every once in a while, he'll issue like a, a T-shirt, you know, like he'll do a Knights of Satan service T-shirt. Um, oh. And I got one a while back that was a spinoff of the Elder cover, and it's great. Oh, so. cool. Are there still any like unicorns that you're kind of looking for out in the wild? or? Man, I feel like, I kind of feel like once you find one, then you, suddenly there's another one. But, you know, a few things I would love to find. I would love to find a, a copy of that second Shotgun Messiah record that's not $4 billion. <laughs> I like that record. I like that record, but I'm not going to pay that much money for it. 
I'd really like to find a copy of the Taylor Hawkins in the Coattail Riders album, Red Light Fever album that was like from around 2010, 2012. It got pressed on vinyl. I'll admit, and I hate to admit it, but you know, we all, there's nothing worse than discovering a record after somebody has shuffled off his mortal coil. And that's an album that for whatever reason, it got past me and I never heard it. And then shortly after he died, something just prompted me to want to listen to some more of just Taylor's stuff because I had the Birds of Satan album and a friend of mine played guitar on that record and was also in Chevy Metal. And so I was kind of like fishing around for some stuff and I, I pulled that record up and I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I had seen that record around and, and it was like a $40, $50 album. And of course, the second he died, it was a 200 plus album all day long. You know, I'd love to get a copy of that record. I really love that record. I probably listened to that album more in the last year than any other record. So that would be a really great one to get my hands on. I'd love to find an original pressing of the Brad album Interiors because the reissue of that doesn't sound very good. You know, there's always some stuff kind of floating around. Once you check one off the list, eventually something else pops onto the list and takes its place. Like yeah. The Lizard by Saigon Kick was one of those. Voodoo Highway by Badlands was one of those. You know, Earth versus the Wild Hearts for a long time was one of those. <laughs> Lo and behold, now with Earth versus, I have two original copies and two of the reissues because that's, you know, a top five Desert Island album for me. So I got one more kind of silly question for you, I guess. Or actually, wait, I'm going right. to do two silly questions. This okay. one, it, the first one is, are you a fan of King's X? Because it seems like everybody that I talk to lately, everybody, like they love King's X. So so I have to ask you, are you a fan too? Let me, let me, before I answer this question, let me ask you, are you a fan of King's X? I am now, thanks to all those guys I talked to, okay. Freddie and that, John Masalia. Okay. Oh yeah, oh, John, I can see that. God bless him. What a great yeah. guy. What a talent, what a talent, what a talent bass player. I love King's X. I literally, yesterday morning, listened to Gretchen Ghost in Nebraska on vinyl. Oh, awesome. Um, I love that. Love that band. There's ups and downs in their catalog, but everything, I feel like everything they did between Gretchen and Dogman is pretty untouchable. Ear Candy has some great tracks. The first album has some great tracks. Yeah. Um, I feel like no matter what, every time they put a record out, even if I'm not all the way in on the whole album, there's always going to be a few songs that are going to grab me. And for a band to be able to do that and be going with the original three dudes for as long as those guys have, it's pretty remarkable. And you go see them live and they still just sound amazing. I think they so, just yeah. announced they're coming back to Nashville at the at Brooklyn Bowl sometime this uh, year. Well, they just played Brooklyn Bowl earlier this year yeah, and, it, and sold it out. Yeah. So and that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, I honestly thought, I think in a lot of cities, they're just one of those bands that they're good for three, four, five hundred people every night. And Brooklyn Bowl holds like 1,200 people. So, oh, you know, and that show got canceled and rescheduled twice because of COVID. And it just kept, every time it got rescheduled, it seemed like it was going into a bigger venue and going into a bigger venue. Then when they finally got to Brooklyn Bowl, it was sold out. So, because I think that show started off booked at the Basement East, which holds like 550 or 600. Oh, damn. Well, good for those guys. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I love it. Like I said, I love seeing them still going. What's your What's your next? That wasn't a silly question, by the way. So I'm curious as to what your next silly question is. Well, it was, I thought of this because I've been moving, as I said, with my girlfriend and we're moving into an apartment 
and I have to haul all my records up to like a third floor apartment. And I was kind of thinking like, I guess what I was thinking was like, maybe I need like a safe or something to put these records in so they're not just sitting out in these crates. So my mind was kind of going along these lines of like, you know, protecting the records. And I was like, if you were in a house fire, like hypothetically, what five records would you save? But I guess it would probably be the jellyfish ones because they're $400, right? So you would save those. Uh, the records I would probably save would be those jellyfish records. I would look at the ones that's like, what are, what are going to be the hardest to replace that I'm yeah. really going to be bummed? Like, what are the ones I'm going to be the most bummed about? Like, not that they're just hard to replace and not that they're just rare, but records that I truly love to listen to yeah. regularly. And those jellyfish records would probably be at the top of the heap as far as that's concerned. The Wild Hearts record, Earth Versus, because that's a hard... I mean, even those reissues were limited in numbers, and now those are 150 200 bucks. So I'd have to grab Earth Versus, the Wild Hearts, the jellyfish records. Or would it be sentimental ones, like ones maybe you got from Ace? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. I, I love Ace. No, like if I'm, if I'm thinking about... Yeah, I mean, as far as sentimentality... Maybe I would have to grab, well, you know, I mean, I'd have to, I probably, believe it or not, even though it's not playable, I'd probably grab that first Boston record off the wall. Oh, yeah. Just because that's kind of what started it, you know, because um, I can always go buy another copy of Boston, but that's the one. Yeah, you know, those four, what's number five? What is the number five record? I'm trying to think. What's the one that's like, you know what? I would grab, it's super replaceable, but I would probably, probably grab two birds one stone i would grab my copy of she's the one the soundtrack oh, oh tom petty oh. for two reasons number one ace gave me that record and number two when i started dating my girlfriend tiffany a few years ago during the pandemic we listened to that record all the time that's kind of our record oh wow so Those it is a sentimental there. one then there you go yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. dual sentimentality right there. yeah uh, cool i like that answer yeah also a hard record to replace because it's been out of print for a while. Yeah. So. All right, dude. Well, I don't want to keep it too long, man, because I know it's getting late and everything. But I really appreciate good. you uh, chatting with me again because it was cool to catch up with you after a few years. And, yeah, man. It was, it was fun to get to talk about, about vinyl because, yeah. man, records are just a lot of fun. Record shopping is a lot of fun. Finding stuff's a lot of fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, getting to get up, you know, every morning and, and put on an album and make a cup of coffee and just sit there and take that record in and just listen. It's just it's what keeps me sane, even yeah. in the most difficult times. You know, I, I think a lot of people out there would do really well to follow suit. I mean, just get up every day. First thing, you know, like if you're me, take the dogs out, but then come back in or that first cup of coffee. Cause I program, program that coffee maker the night before Put on that first record and just sit down in that sweet spot on your couch where the speakers are hitting you. Don't look at your phone or anything and just listen to an album from front to back. It'll make the whole rest of your day be just that much more quality. I had noticed, yeah, because that's what kind of got me to talk to you the first time was you were doing that. You were doing that every day or you would post like three or four albums a day. Yeah, so it was nice. To you know what? See, see and, and you know what? I kind of... I don't post those nearly as much as I used to. And I used to write a lot more about it and stuff like that, but it's kind of turned into one of those things where I don't, I post on social media, but I try not to be on social media too much. You know, it's, it can be kind of a, a, a time suck and a brain suck. And, you know, it's, it's a rabbit hole. You can go down and all of a sudden you've lost two or three hours of your day. If you're not careful, 
yeah. you know i try to try to spend time being you know do more constructive stuff whenever i can listen i'm as guilty as i'm still as guilty of it as anybody you know from time to time but uh at the end of the day i also want to try to make sure i'm being more conscientious of and aware of what's actually going on around me and not just what's going on i just had a conversation just the other day with a friend that was helping me move in and he said the same thing because i don't know if you've got an iphone or not but it oh, yeah. brings up your little percent every week and it's like you were on your phone this much each day and he said like i was on there too much so now i just have to cut back so yeah kind of, yeah absolutely yeah. i mean it's one of those things you get you get you get more on a totally different subject now but yeah you get you gotta get sucked in you know you find yourself me and my girlfriend have talked about we'll find ourselves out at dinner with each other and having to resist the urge to look at our phone yeah you know just get so used to it you don't even realize you're doing it you know yeah. so but starting off every day with a record is a good way rein that in a little bit so well, for sure it is because everybody's even kind of go 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 during the day too it's kind of nice to just take that time to just not go and kind of center yourself yeah absolutely absolutely so well killer man it's good to see you you too man i'm gonna try and catch you out on the road too because i saw you're coming back to illinois in july i think yes yes that'll be fun man that's changing up the set list this year getting ready to go to rehearsals for that pretty soon and then uh winger's going to be direct support for us oh right on. for the whole year yeah. and uh man it's a whole original lineup of winger so you know it's gonna be great with rev and paul and rod and kip you know john roth who came along on the pull record and you know it's gonna be gonna be a good deal john Carabi opening is always fantastic mm -hmm. so he's a great guy he's a funny super talent really looking forward to that it's gonna be a lot of fun Thanks for chatting records with me tonight, man. Absolutely, Andy. I will look forward to the next time we chat, okay? Yep. Um, all right, man. Have a good one. All right, dude. Thank you very much, dude. You take care. Some days are diamonds. Some days are rocks. Some doors are open. Some roads are blocked. Sundowns are golden Then fade away And if I never do nothing I'll get you back someday Cause you got a heart